uh, take a seat for a moment. The, one of these songs that we just sang is quoting Psalm 23, where, where we were uh, singing out with the bridge of that song that your goodness is running after, it's running after me. And that's at the conclusion of David's prayer in Psalm 23, his cry to God, where he says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the Hebrew word that's used for goodness and mercy following David or following us is actually the word chase or running after. Surely God's goodness and mercy is chasing us down. Uh, goodness and mercy chasing us down all the days of our lives. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so as Christians, we don't just look forward to forever, if you will. We don't just look forward to paradise, to a new heaven and a new earth. But we understand that the goodness and mercy of God is here. It's present. It's reality. It's now it's something that is and can be and will be experienced in this life as we know it, despite all of the grief, trauma, anxiety, stress, and sadness, and depression that we do fight and face in the world now as, as we know it to be. And so you might not feel like goodness and mercy are chasing you down this morning. I know this last week I had a hard time believing that. But that's why we actually gather together to encourage each other. That's why we gather together and we we sing these songs together to God. In no other place in, in the world do you really come together and sing with other people. That's, that's kind of strange. But when we sing together in worship, that's not strange. It's, it's beautiful. It's what we're created to do is to bring praises before God. And so let these songs, every, every time we gather for small groups or classes or church services or you gather with brothers and sisters in Christ, let these times remind you of the goodness of God. Bring to remembrance the things that God has done. The other song that we sang, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. And, and as we're forced to think on that, as we choose to sing it together, those things come to remembrance. Oh, wow, God, you came through here. You came through here. You came through here. And so we need each other to remind each other of the goodness of God. We need these songs to remind us of the goodness of God because without each other, we, we sadly forget and we grow stagnant and, and we fall behind in our relationship with Christ and feel disconnected from him and from the body. And so I'd encourage you today to reflect on the times God's mercy, God's goodness has chased you down. Reflect on what he's done in your life and your heart. Reflect on the impact he's made. And I'd encourage you throughout the week to share that with other people. It's so important to hear what God is doing, to share our wins, our testimonies, and the goodness of God. Let's, let's pray. Um, God, I thank you for your presence uh, that is always near. But I thank you that uh, this morning, as we open our hearts to encounter you, that, that we can feel and know that you are here with us. Lord, if you're not here today, then this is a waste of time. So we don't want to go forward from this place unless, unless you are with us and unless we allow you uh, to do in our hearts what only you want to do. Jesus, uh, you truly have been so good. Thank you, Lord, for our salvation. Thank you for 
life and relationships in our life. God, thank you for um, the church that gathers all around the globe today to declare your goodness and to remind each other of your mercy. God, when we become discouraged and we focus on what we don't have or we focus on that which brings us sadness or grief or anger, would you remind us of what you have already given? God, would you remind us of your promises when we feel like promises have been lost? Would you uh, chase us down with goodness and mercy? And may we recognize it and may we stop for a moment and receive what you have. God, you tell us if anyone lacks specifically wisdom, uh, let him ask. So God, whatever our lack is today, we're, we're, we're asking you to fill it. We're asking for our lack to be filled. So Lord, fill our lack of joy, fill our lack of peace, fill our lack of compassion, and fill our lack of commitment and devotion towards you. God, we surrender uh, the rest of our time today together and the rest of this week and ask that your will would be done. God, um, do, do something in our hearts as we look at your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Ryan. Um, I just feel just a sweet presence of God here today, um, just inviting us to really push into his goodness. Um, and I'm excited to preach on this topic, Supernatural, continue this series, um, things that sometimes we don't talk about enough. Uh, before we jump in, um, if you have a Bible too, we're going to kind of be focusing on 1 Corinthians 12 today, and the verses we're going to be reading will be up on the screen. Um, I just have two brief announcements. Um, one is an announcement about connecting with others. Um, one thing that COVID did to you know, many churches is made it difficult to connect. Uh, many churches kind of just ceased to exist or ceased connecting. And while we've continued in worship services, uh, the connecting part has been a little bit of a challenge. And so we are putting an emphasis right now on small groups, on home groups. Specifically, we're calling them free fam home groups. And those start this week. Um, we have several groups to choose from, and I, I really would encourage you to join a group. And I know we're busy. We have a lot of things going on, but it's really important um, to take the opportunity to connect with others. So we have um, groups that will be going on on uh, Tuesday mornings at the commercial Starbucks in South Salem for men at the beautiful time of 6 a.m. Uh, we also have a young adults uh, group that will be meeting in, on Tuesday evenings in Northeast Salem. On Thursdays, we have a C.S. Lewis um, evening discussion group in South Salem. Um, on Fridays, there's a, there's a typo there, but on Fridays, we have a, a Staten community group as well. And then on uh, Friday night, we have a Friday night kind of game and fun group in South Salem, very close to the church. And then finally, Saturday mornings, a, a women's group at Broadway Commons. And so I would encourage you, even if you can't make it to each one, um, join one of these groups. You do have to register for the groups, number one, so that way we can keep the addresses private where these will be. And so we'll send you the address once you've registered. And the other uh, part about registering is that those who are going to be hosting the groups, they know what they can prepare for. So please do uh, register for one of these groups. They do start this week, and so we need to have some people um, register today. We'll probably close the registration in about a week or two. Um, moving on from connection, we also have some growth and learning opportunities. This year, we are 
launching this kind of new way of doing church called Freeway, where we're teaching people how they can connect uh, through our on-ramp lunch, which is coming up in November. Uh, we have classes that we're now providing. Our first semester of Freeway classes is starting this uh, Monday night. So tomorrow night here at the church at 6.30, we have a class called Foundations of the Faith, and it is a nine-week class where we are going to be looking at what Christians believe. What, what is it that our faith is based off of? And um, this is a program I've developed along with our assistant pastor, Paula Lehman, and that Nathan Amerson has developed the curriculum for and will be teaching. And so we've got a good group of people signed up for that already. And that's at 6.30 tomorrow night downstairs in our large classroom and um, really, really going to be a great class. Later on through the year, we're going to be starting a class about spiritual disciplines, uh, about Christian worldview, and then we're going to offer you a mentorship that you can enter. Uh, enter. You can enter this men- mentorship. It's hard to say. Um, be mentored by someone, as well as um, launching some support groups later on in the spring. And so a lot of things where we're really putting focus on, here's opportunities to grow, here's opportunities to connect, here's opportunities to serve so that you can truly be the church. And I know um, that some of you are hungry for that, and here's some opportunities to jump in. So I want to continue. We've got, including today, three weeks left of this Supernatural series. We're looking at Uh, what the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit, how we're called to be filled continuously with the Holy Spirit. We have been looking at how um, we can learn to experience and walk in our spiritual gifts that we're going to look at today, how we can exhibit spiritual fruit. Um, Next weekend, we're talking about spiritual fruit. And then the uh, last weekend of October, we have kind of a cool surprise for that weekend. And then on the 6th of November, I have a, a friend coming from the East Coast to speak to us and minister to us on uh, two of our morning services on Sunday. And we're having a special evening service that week at 6 p.m. Um, to allow him to minister to our church uh, on a deeper level. So going to be some really amazing things going on in this series Uh, But today I want to talk about gifts, and as you can see, we have all these gifts on stage, and uh, Andreas and Zion made all of these beautiful gifts, and aren't men great at rapping? Um, They did this amazing job, and I'm actually very pleased with the paper they found at Dollar Tree. It is, this is a good color scheme. Uh, But these are the gifts of the Spirit. Each of these boxes represent a different gift of the Holy Spirit. I grabbed one that says pastoring. So as we go throughout this service today and this teaching, I want you to ask yourself, what what are the gifts of the Spirit? What what is my gift of the Spirit? What what gift has the Spirit of God given you? And gifts gifts are a cool thing. Gifts are given from someone else. They are something that someone else chooses for you, and they give to you freely. If you pick it out, It's not really a gift. Um, Sometimes, you know, like especially if you're married, it's awkward because, you know, your money should be the same. And if you're buying a gift for someone you're married to when you have the same money, it just sometimes you're like, why don't you just go buy something that you want with our money? And it, it can be a little bit odd, but truly a gift is something that you choose for somebody else. Sometimes it's nice to bring a kid to a store and say, you know, you pick something out and I'll buy it for you. That could be a gift as well. Um, But when we get gifts, we love to shake them up. There's nothing in this one. It's really sad. There's no mercy in here. 
We like to shake gifts. We like to figure out what's inside. We, some of you maybe snuck into your parents' closets growing up to see what they bought you ahead of time for your birthday or for Christmas. I remember one time as a little boy, uh, my youngest sister had bought me a Christmas coloring book for Christmas. Looking back, I realized how lame of a gift that was. <laughs> like, it's Christmas. Here's a Christmas coloring book because Christmas is now over. Wait till next year to use it. But I remember I accidentally found the gifts, and I felt so much shame because I was such a good kid. I didn't want to look for gifts. I wanted to be surprised. I wanted them to truly be a gift. And so I felt so much condemnation, so much shame. I, I, you know, I thought this was the unpardonable sin to find a gift before, and I felt like I had to cover it up and lie. And I was living in this lie, a six-year-old boy, and really led to destruction. I'm actually just remembering this all right now. I didn't, did not think about this before just a minute ago. God, help me. <laughs> Still so much shame I've carried. Wow, I feel better that I processed that with you. This came up. What? That's amazing. Therapy's good. I'm free. So gifts are these fascinating things. Gifts are given. And maybe think about what's the best gift that you ever received. The best gift I ever received was a, um, a six-pack of Dr. Pepper in classic glass bottles. My wife gave that to me, uh, Christmas of 1995, and I fell in love with her because of it. That's the best gift I have. I still have that gift today. I never drank an ounce of that Dr. Pepper because it was so special. Uh, Many of you have been given amazing gifts. My, My favorite gift I've ever gotten, as far as just like how functional it was, was a um, a gaming rocking chair that my parents gave me around 1991. I was like, a, used to find these chairs that were like shaped like a banana. You sit on them, they rock back and forth, and now you can buy them sometimes have Bluetooth speakers built in. But that thing functioned as like a, a surfboard, a skateboard, a sled for down the stairs, um, and sometimes to play video games in as well. An amazing gift that just kept on giving. And so gifts are given freely. Gifts are not earned. If you earn it, it's a wage. It's not a gift. And again, gifts are good things. Good things chosen by someone else and given to you. And and in the Christian faith, really our core belief is that our salvation, salvation from Satan, from sin, from hell, and from death, our salvation to life, our salvation to relationship with God, our salvation that includes forgiveness of sins. Our salvation is a gift. It is a gift of grace, meaning we don't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. It's given freely to us. God gives his son, Jesus Christ, freely to live, to die, and to rise again as a gift of grace. And whenever someone hands you a gift, Whenever someone hands you a gift, you you have to make a choice. You could say, nah, I'm good. No thanks. I I don't want this gift. Or, no, you shouldn't have. Return it. Or you can just simply receive the gift. You can reach out and grab the gift. And so God offers everyone the gift of salvation. The call goes out to everyone. Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But in order to possess that gift, you must reach out and receive it. That's not work, it's faith. 
Faith is receiving the gift of God freely, just as he freely gave it to you. And then in the faith, in receiving that gift, that you open up and you receive it and you spend your entire life living out the gift of salvation through Jesus. So Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Paul says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not your own doing. There's a fly. It is a gift of God so that no one may boast. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but... And I always found it fascinating that Paul uses the free gift. The wages of sin, what, what you work for and toil for in this life of sin, you just earn death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we're given a gift of salvation. And when we receive that gift, there are gifts within the gifts. There are gifts within the gift of salvation. And so when you receive salvation, this one just happens to be apostleship, but I'm not trying to point out this particular gift. Let's do this. When you receive the gift of salvation, there's gifts within. And one of the gifts that you and I receive when we receive the gift of salvation, it is a gift that Jesus promised to his followers. He promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. So on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God descends upon the early church, 120 Christians, the first Christians, the first church ever, descends on them, fills them, and Peter, now filled abundantly with the power of the Holy Spirit, he steps out into a crowd of thousands who are there for this religious festival called Pentecost. He preaches a sermon to offer people the gift of salvation and offer them to receive it in faith. And when people hear about this gift, they look at Peter and they say, what should we do with this gift? What should we do? It says they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. What do we do? And Peter said to them in Acts 2, verse 38, he says, here's what you do. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, for the promise, remember, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So Peter says, if you put faith in the gift of salvation I just preached, you will receive not only that, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This gift is for everyone. And there's some debate about what he's talking about here. What is the gift of the Holy Spirit? Um, I think it's multifaceted. But, but in context, the specific thing that Peter is talking about is the Spirit himself. Meaning, you will receive the gift of the Spirit. The Spirit will dwell within you, the greatest gift of all. Once you've received the other greatest gift of all, salvation, you receive then the Spirit as a gift. So when you receive the gift of salvation, it becomes like one of those Russian stacking dolls where you move one and there's something else inside as well, two gifts in one. So when the Spirit of God, when the Holy Spirit has been received by a Christian, he then gives more gifts. He gives gifts to those who have the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gives these gifts to those 
he fills. And so here's our verse for today. It's 1 Corinthians 12. Paul's writing to a church who is experiencing the Holy Spirit, who is experiencing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, who is using the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but are also misusing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's causing some problems within the church. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. He's like, I need to teach you guys about some of these gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. So I want to pause for a second. Um, Some of you have grown up in a a church background. Some of you have um, rich history um, in different traditions or movements within the Christian faith. Some of you may have come up um, in a Catholic background. Some of you may have come from a mainline Protestant denomination like uh, Lutherans or different um, groups like Methodists. Some of you may have grown up um, in some conservative groups like Baptists. Some of you may have come from uh, Pentecostal backgrounds. Some of you may have come from charismatic backgrounds. There's, there's, I know there's all of you from all of those backgrounds just in this room. Some of you come from no church background at all, and that's actually kind of easier to deal with because you don't have to unpack all of the confusion maybe you have received over good groups throughout your entire life. And so because of the different groups that you came from or the different things maybe you've experienced before, we have a problem right now in what I would call the 21st century. We have a problem, I think, that kind of started around the year 2010 until about now, and the problem is we don't talk enough about the Holy Spirit. We don't talk enough about spiritual gifts, and and there's reasons why. Because I grew up in a uh, charismatic background. I was exposed to many Pentecostal churches and good people who loved Jesus, who were saved, but sometimes they did really weird stuff. And so as a child and a teenager growing up in the 1980s and 90s, during the 90s, um, there was a movement taking place, which was called the Charismatic Renewal. And looking back historically, I can say this was amazing. It was a great thing. But I remember as a kid, I saw some people misusing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I became so weirded out and jaded by some of it that I really didn't want anything to do with it. And so these gifts, even though they were available to me, I, I kind of kept the gifts far away. I'm like, I like the gift of salvation. I like the gift of the Holy Spirit, but I'm a little bit weirded out by spiritual gifts. How many of you, that's been your experience? That, that's been mine. And so I've, I've seen some great things, but I've seen some strange things. I remember as a small kid, um, around eight or nine years old, I went to this camp for kids, and there was also a simultaneously uh, a teenage camp going on, and there was this great worship night. There was nothing strange going on. There was nothing weird going on. There, were, there was no trying to push any weird stuff or charismatic gifts, but this little girl who, who's standing next to me in worship just started speaking out in another language, and I was like, that's cool and terrifying at the same time. But the Spirit of God moved on her, and this was how she began to express herself, and no one told her to do it. No one walked her through. No one blew on her or pushed her over. It just happened, and it was this beautiful thing. And I can remember seeing things like this growing up, some strange, some not strange. I remember as an early married couple, my wife and I went to some of these um, 
kind of renewal movement services that were going on in the region. And one particular church service we went to, there was just this great worship that was going on. But one guy, the Spirit of God came upon him, and he mistranslated it to think the Spirit of Mario came on him. And he began to run circles around the church. It was very distracting. And it would have been fine if it would have stopped at running in circles, except for he ran on the stage where the worship team was, and then he gave the most stereotypical Mario jump with the pound, like he's going to pound a, one of the, the question boxes. And every time it went, woo it's like, you're literally Mario. We're, we're all about the power of God, but your Mario act that you have to do in front of everybody is so distracting, we're having a hard time focusing on the Spirit of God. How many of you just had some weird stuff you've experienced before that didn't quite make sense? Or maybe even something happened in your own heart. Like, what is that? And so there's all of this stuff we have to unpack. And so in verse number 4 of chapter 12, Paul says there's a variety of gifts. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. What we learn here is there's all sorts of gifts. There is a variety of gifts, and they're all given by the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you were to read the portions of the Bible that describe the spiritual gifts, there are exactly 20 of them. There are 20 spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament. There is about three that every once in a while there will be some spiritual um, Christian groups that will say, I think these are gifts too, but we know for certain there's 20 spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament. And so when you look at all these gifts, I mean, this particular one says apostleship. If you look at all of these gifts, this particular one is mercy. We've got healing. Here we have wisdom. When you look at all these gifts, not one of these gifts is better than another. So how many of you, when you received gifts amongst your siblings for Christmas, you were not only watching to see what you would get, but you were also calculating in your head how much money your parents spent on your siblings to make sure it evened out that you got the same gifts, or hopefully better. Not one of these gifts is better than another. Paul does allude to, and we'll get to it, that there are some that are more beneficial in some settings But you are not an all-star Christian if you have the gift of apostleship and someone else has the gift of healing. There's not one that's greater than another. In fact, I have met some extremely immature Christians who were extremely jerks that had some of these more elaborate, flashy gifts, and they wanted everybody to know it. And what that showed me, and as I begin to learn much about Scripture— It's that spiritual gifts are not a marker of spiritual maturity. You can be given a spiritual gift, but you can misuse it and missteward it and come off as arrogant or as a jerk and belittle someone who's actually using their gift far more faithfully than you are. And so in verse 6, Paul says, But it is the same God who empowers the gifts, who empowers them all in everyone. Pay close attention to verse 7. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. What does that mean? That means if you are a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. It means everyone in Christ has been given a spiritual gift by the Holy Spirit. Paul uses the words everyone, all, to each. These gifts are given to everyone. 
for everyone. They're given to everyone for everyone. And so of the 20 spiritual gifts, with the exception of one, we'll look at at the end, of the 20 spiritual gifts, all of them are for other people. God gives you gifts so that you can use them for the good, the common good of others, to build up and encourage the church, to challenge the church, to speak to the church, but even more so to equip and empower you to reach the lost for Christ with the gifts that God gives to everyone, for everyone. And so again, think to yourself, what is my spiritual gift? Am I using my spiritual gift? Am I using it for myself or am I using it for others because it is for others? Meaning the gifts aren't really for you, they're for other people. Later in the chapter, Paul uses the analogy in verse 12 through 31 of the body. He, he uses this analogy, the body of Christ, and he starts to say everyone who has different gifts are like different members of the same body, all functioning together for the greater good. So Paul goes on in verse 8 to list some of the gifts of the Spirit given to various people by the same Spirit. So read with me 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Paul says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another is given the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. Verse 11 then says this, All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually. And the last phrase says, as he wills. God chooses your gifts. If God didn't choose your gifts, they would not be gifts any longer. God gives gifts to men, Ephesians 4 says. He is the giver and he is the chooser. God is sovereign. God sovereignly plans which gift he wants to give to you, and he gives it as a gift. This means that you and I don't get to choose our spiritual gift. I do believe we can ask for spiritual gifts. I do believe we can seek the greater gifts. We'll look at that in a moment as well. But God chooses what gift he gives to you. So what gift has God given you? This one is leadership. What gift has God handed over to you, and have you received it in faith? So we find these 20 gifts listed in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. And here's the list. I've got it up in front of you, and we'll, we'll post and share this throughout this week. But, but here is the list of gifts that we'll look at. But before I read them, you can kind of look them over. Before we do, I want you to know what gifts are not. Spiritual gifts are not talents. Spiritual gifts are not skills. You can be skilled in your spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts are not abilities that you are born with. Only people who are born again have spiritual gifts. Everyone who's born has skills. Everyone who is born has abilities. Everyone who is born has talents. But spiritual gifts are given to those who are born again. Those who have the Spirit of God are given gifts. And so you might be an amazing painter. You might be an amazing writer. You might be an amazing 
singer or musician or athlete, and those are amazing talents and skills and abilities that you can use for God's glory, but they're just different than spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are things that only Christians possess by and through the Holy Spirit, and they're things that are for the common good. They are things that complement other gifts within the body. They are things that exceed somebody's natural ability, and they operate on a hypernatural level beyond our understanding. And so this particular gift is leadership. Um, There are people that are talented in leadership. There are people who are skilled in leadership. There are people that are born with the ability of leadership, but that is different than the spiritual gift of leadership. The spiritual gift of leadership is one that is given when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and it operates on a level that is different than a natural level. It operates on what the world would call a supernatural level, what we'd call a hypernatural level. And with these gifts, most Christians, it's important to know, don't possess all the gifts. Most Christians never will possess all the gifts. I believe that God gives us access to all the gifts when needed. I believe that there are times and occasions and reasons that we might walk in a particular gift, but typically, most people possess one to three gifts that are kind of prominent throughout their entire life that they move in and they become skilled in, but we must be open for God to use us in other ways and other gifts. I have a couple times in my life where people have come up to me and spoke to me in another language, not not in like a Uh, traditional speaking of tongues idea, but literally Spanish, Uh, literally Vietnamese. I've had people come up and speak to me in a language I did not know, and as they were speaking to me, I knew every single thing that they said, and I was like, how is this happening? And that was the spiritual gift of interpretation that God gave me for those times so I could minister to those people, but it's not one I can walk around and just do all the time. It, it was given to me for a reason. I, in Mexico one time, I sat down in someone's house, an ex-pastor, and listened to him share his testimony for two hours, and I understood everything he said. It was bizarre. But it was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't me. It wasn't a talent. It wasn't a bill. It wasn't a, I wasn't like a, a mutant superpower. This was, this was God allowing this to happen at this particular moment. And so in this list, we have administration. That's not usually what we think of when we think about supernatural things. But administration is a spiritual gift. Apostleship is a spiritual gift. We, we literally have no time to get into that. If you want to ask me what that is, we can, we can wrestle with it. Um, contribution. Giving is a spiritual gift. Discernment. A very unfortunate gift to have, but it is a spiritual gift. Evangelism is a spiritual gift. Encouragement or exhortation is a spiritual gift. Faith is a spiritual gift. That's what I don't have. Some of you have these amazing gifts of faith that, that I have to lean on because you're a part of the body and because I'm not the gift of faith. I need people with the gift of faith. I'm just looking here, like Aubrey has the gift of faith. She's somebody who's very encouraging with faith. Healing is a spiritual gift. Helps, um, translated, you help people move. Helping people, that is a spiritual gift. Hospitality is a spiritual gift. It's not a gift that I have, but some of you have the gift of hospitality. Interpretation of tongues knowledge, leadership, mercy, miracles. That's, a, that's an interesting one. Different than healing, miracles. Pastoring is a spiritual gift. You could be a pastor and not have the spiritual gift of pastoring, 
but there is a difference. Prophecy. Teaching is a spiritual gift. Tongues, speaking in other tongues, and wisdom. These are all spiritual gifts. Which one do you possess? We'll send out a spiritual gifts test uh, this week if you have ever filled out a connection card. If we have your email, we'll send it out. Um, I'll post on our social media. You can take a test. Well, I'll send you a free one and one that costs a little bit. The one that costs a little bit is better. Um, but this test can help you determine what your spiritual gifts are. Uh, me, here's the gifts that I typically operate in. The three spiritual gifts for me are discernment, leadership, and wisdom. Discernment, leadership, and wisdom. What are, what are your spiritual gifts? Whatever gift you have, it's crucial that you steward those gifts. Whatever gift you have, it is crucial that you use those gifts and that you use them according to the guidelines set forth in Scripture. The Bible actually gives like a rule book for how to operate in spiritual gifts, specifically tongues, prophecy, knowledge, and wisdom. Are you following these spiritual guidelines for the gifts of the Spirit? 1 Corinthians 14.40, Paul says in context of spiritual gifts within the church, he says, all things should be done decently and in order. And I think that I reacted in a negative way to some things regarding the gifts of the Spirit because I witnessed people use the gifts of the Spirit not in an orderly matter. Instead of God being a God of order, they were trying to bring chaos because they weren't in tune with the Spirit of God who had given them these gifts. So we must use them in order. And you might be saying, well, you know, I have the gift of hospitality, but I really would like the gift of healing. I would like to pray for people that they are healed. We're all called to pray for people to be healed. But some people walk in the spiritual gift of healing. And so my point of bringing that up is it's okay to want other gifts. It's okay to desire other gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, Paul says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a more excellent way, which leads us to 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter about love. He says the excellent way to walk out our gifts is walking them out in love. And he says you can seek gifts. You can seek the higher gifts. And again, in context, the higher gift is actually prophecy. We'll look at that in a minute. But it's important if you are asking God for other gifts, it is important that you are faithful with the gifts you've been given. I can't be a bad steward of my spiritual gifts and go to God and say, give me other spiritual gifts. I can't not use my spiritual gifts and go to God and say, if you give me this gift, I'll use it, but this gift you gave me isn't good enough, and so I'm not going to use it. God's not going to want to give freely to someone who asks in such a way. So if you're seeking other spiritual gifts, is it for the right reason? Is it for self-glorification? If so, you don't want that gift. Is it for the excitement of having this spooky gift? No, if that's the case, you don't want it. Is it just to make you feel good? If the case, you don't want that gift either. When we seek gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to the Bible, they must be for the common good. They must be to bring glory to God, to advance His kingdom, and specifically to build up, encourage, and equip the church. And when God gives us these gifts, we must use them in love, and we must desire gifts for the benefit of others. And here's where I am debating how far I want to go today, because we just have a moment left. 
I want to talk to you about prophecy. I want to talk to you about wisdom. I want to talk to you about knowledge. I want to go real hardcore and I want to talk about tongues and interpretation of tongues. Because these are the gifts that people get uncomfortable by when we start to talk about them. These are the ones where people are like, whoa, that's weird. But we truly don't have time today. <laughs> so I want to talk about it extensively next week. But here, here's how I'll leave us today. I, I want to read through 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5, and we'll unpack it next week. Paul says this, pursue love. That's coming right out of 1 Corinthians 13. He says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And as we're preparing to wrap this up and sing and worship and pray for each other, what spiritual gifts do you desire? What spiritual gifts would you like God to use you for and to use through you? For me, it would be evangelism and healing. I would love to operate in those gifts. We're all called to be evangelists, but some of us have this supernatural gift of evangelism. He says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Well, I don't know if I want to prophesy. But Paul says, earnestly desire that you prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue, that's talking about speaking in tongues, one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. The church needs to be built up, friends. The the church over the last two years has faced challenges that we haven't faced in centuries. The church needs to be built up. There is a lack of the church being built up. And the two gifts specifically that Paul uses to talk about the church being built up, three actually, it's it's prophecy, wisdom, and knowledge. We need prophecy, wisdom, and knowledge operating within the church often. In services, in small groups, in Bible studies, in classes. We need to lean into the prophetic because Paul emphasizes it again and again, and again, and again, and again. Last week, when our service was concluding, I was moved and went and sat down as we started to sing, and um, my friend Josh, who's running camera right now, Josh is, you 11 or 12, Josh? 12, yeah, so Josh is 12, and he came up, and he laid hands on me, and for about three minutes prophesied over me. He's 12 years old. Every word that came out of his mouth praying over me was from the Holy Spirit. None of what he said were things he would have known on his own without God leading him to do so. And so in Acts chapter 2, when Paul is preaching and he says, this gift is for you, he says, this is what the scriptures taught us about, talking about the book of Joel specifically. He says, during this time... 
Young men will have visions. Old men will dream dreams. I've been starting to shift to dreaming a lot at night lately. (laughs) Young men will have visions. Old men will have dreams. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Jesus said, these things will follow those who believe. They will speak in other tongues. They will cast out demons. They will heal the sick. They'll pick up snakes and not be bad. Like, whoa, that's where I stop. We're not doing snake dancing. No, that's in context. He's just saying, I got you. And we see Paul protected from snakes that jump out of a fire. So these things, you may say, are they weird? The answer is yes, they are weird. But they're natural. They're what the world would call supernatural, and they are actually hypernatural, meaning what we're supposed to walk in as sons and daughters of God. And most of us, we have a gift, but we don't use it because people might think it's strange if we do use it. But if things are done decently, if things are done in order, and most importantly, if things are done in love, it's always going to produce good fruit. It's always going to be received in a way that God intended it to. And you might have a prophetic word. You might have a word of knowledge or wisdom for someone that they might reject, and that's not on them. It's, I mean, that's not on you. It, it's actually on them. But if it's done in love and if it's done with gentleness and with order and not disorder or chaos, you don't need to worry about that. So on September 11, 2001, I was driving in a Jeep across the uh, Marion Street Bridge into West Salem. And it had been about four hours since the World Trade Center had fallen. And I was going to visit a friend who happened to be someone of a, of a different religion, not Christianity at all. And as I was driving, I know the exact spot I was, my mouth opened, and I started crying out in another language, agonizing over the loss of life that happened on September 11th. The Spirit of God praying through me for the world. I never wanted to speak in tongues. I thought it was weird. I saw it misused. But here I was. And now I'm one of those weird people. What do I do with it, God? God gives gifts. God gives prayer language. God gives prophecy. He gives words of knowledge. He gives wisdom. And if you would be open to receiving what God has for you, you will be able to not be a varsity Christian, to not be better than other Christians, to not be a more mature mature Christian, but you'll be able to start moving and walking out your life for the benefit of other people. And if gifts are for others, then those are gifts we need all we can get. But if gifts are for us, they're kind of pointless because it's not about us. It's about God. It's about others. And those gifts, when you use them, to bless and encourage others, that's a gift in itself. So next week, we will talk more extensively about prophecy. I'm going to talk a lot next week about speaking in tongues, about interpretation of tongues of wisdom and of knowledge. And I want you to know, it is weird, but it doesn't have to be creepy. 
doesn't have to be spooky. It doesn't have to be strange. It doesn't need to be forced. God does what God does. And that's what we're going to talk about. So um, I'll ask Ryan and Susan to come up and close us here in a song. But if you could bow your heads, close your eyes. I just want to pray over you today. Is there someone in your life that has given you a, what we would call a word? There's someone who's given you a, a word that only God could know. Is there someone in your life that's given something prophetic to you, literally a direct message from God? Have you ever had someone give you a piece of advice and wisdom that could have only came from the Spirit of God? If the answer is no, um, instead of just asking for gifts for yourself today, I'd like you to pray during this closing time of our service. God, show me what this is like. Show me your gifts. Show me how they benefit others. And show me what gift I can walk in. Show me how I can be used for your kingdom and for your glory. And God, give me boldness to do it, to experience it, and Lord, if I have the wrong motive, if I am not doing something in order or decently, would you show me so that I can? Because Scripture says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I think sometimes we don't experience the freedom that God has for us because we're not comfortable allowing the Spirit to be among us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But a lot of us put rules on the Holy Spirit. And we put them in these things called boxes. Mm. And we don't experience all that he has for us because of our own insecurities, our own fears, our own hang-ups, our own past. I get it. I've been there. I do it. But what if we just let him do what he would do as he would do just because he can? And it doesn't have to happen at a church or at an altar. A lot of times it happens in a car on bridges. A lot of times it happens in the shower. A lot of times it happens while wrestling for sleep in bed at 3 a.m. Let God move in your life. So as we sing, we're going to have some people up front that will be here to pray for you. And if you need prayer today, if you need just a, a touch from the Spirit of God, we'd love to pray for you. And I'm tempted to say, if you need a prophetic word, come. To, we don't need to do that. If God wants to do that, he's going to do it. God wants to give you a word. I didn't ask Josh to pray a word over me last week. God just did it. So be open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And next week, let's take a deeper dive in. In the next couple weeks, we'll see what it is God has for us. Would you stand? Uh, if you're here this morning and you'd say, hey, you're talking about weird stuff, gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're talking about gift of the Holy Spirit himself. But I, I've never even received the gift of salvation. I've never known God's love for me. I've never walked in freedom. I've never felt like my sins were forgiven or that I could even have a relationship with God. I want you to know God so loved you, so loved the world, he gave his only son that whosoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life.
Verse 17 of John 3 says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God wants to save you from yourself, save you from your sin, save you from hell. And he did that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for your sins so they could be forgiven. He rose to life so you could walk in freedom and have a relationship with him. He gives it freely as a gift that you must receive in faith. And so Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So I'd encourage you today, call upon the name of the Lord. Cry out to God to save you. Be a whosoever who believes in Jesus Christ to receive that gift. Those other gifts, they take care of themselves. But you need to receive and possess the greatest gift of all, and that is the grace of God on your life through Jesus Christ by starting a relationship with him. So as we sing, if that's you, if you would just begin to crowd in your own words, in your heart or with your mouth, God, I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I do believe. I trust, but help me with my unbelief. And if you've surrendered your life to Jesus and if you want to begin to walk in the power of his spirit, then ask him to open you up to receive just that as well. So God, thank you for your gift of salvation. Thank you for your gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for each of the 20 gifts listed in Scripture. Jesus, I thank you that each person here who belongs to you, you've already given them a gift or gifts. God, I pray that you would reveal to them what it is. I pray that you would open them up to begin to walk in and use those gifts, whether it's hospitality, helps, giving, serving, whatever it is, God. Even if it's a strange gift like miracles, Lord, Let us walk in those gifts. Let us experience those things, not for us, God, not for us, but for you and for others. God, may we have trust, the same trust that we have to receive salvation. May we also have trust that you know what you're doing and that we can follow your will to impact and reach the world. God, the world needs to be equipped. The church needs to be equipped and prepared and moving, and encourage, and Lord Jesus, I pray you would do it through all the gifts that you have for each one of us. Let us minister as different parts of the body to one another with the gifts that you've given. God, it would be boring if I had all the gifts. Thank you that you use others to minister to me with their gifts. Let me minister to them with the ones you've given to me. In Jesus' name. Let's begin to sing, and again, if you'd like prayer today, we'll have some people up front that would love to pray for you.